Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 126. I've always felt reviewing past Royal Caribbean cruises helps to share learned experiences with others so that we can all apply these lessons to our upcoming cruises. And this week, Brian joins me on the podcast to share his experience aboard Royal Caribbean's Allure of the Seas. We get to hear from Brian about how his Allure of the Seas cruise went, what aspects of the cruise he and his family really enjoyed, and what he would do differently for his next cruise. Here we go. Here on Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, I love talking about cruises, not just cruises that we're looking forward to, but also cruises we've come back from, because there's often a lot to learn from them. There are lessons and and discoveries and, and a lot of other things I think that we can all benefit from. And this week, we've actually got our good friend Brian White joining us once again on the podcast. You may remember uh, we had Brian previewing his recent cruise on Royal Caribbean, and we brought Brian back on to speak with us more about cruises over, unfortunately. But talk about his experiences on board. Brian, welcome back to Royal Caribbean Blog. Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be back. I guess maybe that's not true. I'm not happy to be off the cruise, but I'm happy to join you on again on the podcast. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. And, of course, Brian, you were just on Allure of the Seas, and you brought a 14-person group with you on board. And that's correct. Uh, there's so much to talk about. I mean, we're not going to fit all of the lure of the season to one episode here. Let's talk about the. Let's start with the the basics. Did you have a good time? We had a great time. Fantastic. Awesome. And the other thing was, I was looking over some of the old notes that you had sent me, kind of when we were first getting started here. And this was this is something of interest to me. You had cruised with a group before three times, in fact, on Disney Cruise Line, and this was your first time checking out Royal Caribbean based on a recommendation you received from your travel agent at MEI Travel. Uh, Deb, so what did you think? How and how would you how would what did you think Royal Caribbean? How would you compare the experiences and and kind of what what's your outlook now? Um, let's see. I, I think uh, I mean the the allure was fantastic. Uh, we had a great time on uh, you know on the ship, uh, all the activities. Um, so I think uh, you know I, I'd say maybe the. The Disney is pretty close, or, or maybe even ahead of the game in the standard dining fare. But other than that, I think uh, you know pretty much across the board. I, I'd say I'm I'm kind of hooked on the the uh, Royal Caribbean and the Allure, especially uh, in lieu of the price differences uh, that are available, and especially due to the fact that our kids are older now and and kind of moving away from the the character meet and greets with the princesses and, and things like that. So I think uh, I, you know you you might have me hooked here. Awesome. Well, that's what I love to hear. I like to hear that. That's always that's always good. And you know, when we're talking about your group experience on board, everything went as you expected, or were there any surprises in terms of dealing with your group on a real group in? Um, there, okay, the only surprise was that uh, because of the BOGO deals, you know, that were in place at Royal at the time, uh, it made more sense for my bro- one of my brother's kids to join my sister's family in a cabin. So they had two in a family, uh, two in one stateroom instead of three. So they got a better deal, uh, and that proved a little bit problematic uh, when it came to check-in because we were on different decks. And so my brother's son had to be with my sister to check in. Uh, and then during the muster drill, he was required to report to her her muster station. So that was probably the only challenge with the group was just that we were on different decks and, and we, we had kind of you know moved one of the kids around to get a little uh, little better pricing on the uh, the cruise. So other than that, I think that was about our only challenge unless we moved to dining. Cool. 
What were what were some highlights for you on the cruise on Allure of the Seas? What stood out? What stands out in your mind looking back on it now in terms of what you experienced? Uh, I think uh, I would have to say all the activities. Um, the flow rider was actually a lot more fun for our entire group than I expected it to be, uh, and. So we spent a lot of time on the sports deck. We played a lot of table tennis. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, we, we play quite a bit of table tennis. We're pretty competitive. Uh, but there was actually a, a, a large group from the Vancouver t- Vancouver Table Tennis Club that was there. Uh, so we had a lot of fun playing uh, table tennis with those guys. Uh, and actually, that's one th- one place where Royal really stands out uh, from Disney is that they have the six uh, table tennis tables that are enclosed so that you don't get bothered by the wind like you do on the Disney ships. You know, I've always said that if, if Rokerman does something well, it's table tennis. So I'm glad to hear that's, uh, that's winning over your vote. <laughs> hey, whatever yeah, it works. Say, yeah, I'd say the, you know, another uh, really neat was ju- just the ship in general how you you walk into the you know onto the boardwalk and you see the aqua theater and you're looking right out the back of the ship. Uh, just gorgeous from from you know bow to stern basically. Nice. What about your stateroom? What did you like about that? Remind us all what category stateroom you had and what, what did you think of it? Sure. So we had uh, two connecting uh, Ocean View staterooms on deck three aft. Uh, and I thought that uh, they were really, really great location to be on the ship. Uh, you're you're right next to the dining. And, and if you, you're familiar with the ship layout and Allure, the aft uh, staterooms on deck three are basically midship. They're right next to the elevators uh, on the on the backside of the ship. So they're they're pretty much midship. Um, but perfect location to get up to the sports court and the pool deck. Uh, you can run up the elevators, run up the stairs. Uh, you don't have to go far for dining. Um, and we did have, um, my sister had, uh, her stateroom was on deck 11 and that was all the way forward. So she and uh, my niece seemed to think that they had to walk quite a bit more than we did to, you know, get to dining and things like that. So I, I think we, we really enjoyed our location. Um, it being, having an ocean view stateroom, uh, certainly with a connecting room made a great difference too. That was a, something I probably won't ever go back to all four of us in one stateroom again after this. <laughs> yep. That now, now you're speaking my language. We've ever since we did the the two staterooms for me for for me and my wife, and then another room for my daughters. I cannot fathom staying in a room with them for seven nights anymore on on a cruise ship. Plus the extra bathroom. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was great, and my brother had uh, two connecting staterooms for his his five as well, and I think he's in the same boat. We're we're going to stick with two staterooms from now on. Absolutely. So let's talk about specialty dining. Did you eat at any of these specialty restaurants on board Allure of the Seas? We, we did. Uh, we, we basically chose one day. They ended up um, moving the headliner show that we had uh, scheduled for one night to the, the next night. So that freed up one night, and we decided to all go to specialty restaurants. Uh, so my wife and I went to Sama Grill, uh, which was outstanding. Um, and the rest of the crew went to Giovanni's Table, which also they said was very good. Tell me more about Samba Grill because that's a restaurant I haven't been to yet. It's coming up on – I'm, I'm going to be going on a lure of the season in a couple odd weeks here. And you know I'm kind of interested by this because it's certainly, I think, a restaurant that definitely flies under the radar in terms of specialty restaurants we all discuss. It's a Brazilian steakhouse. So what was it like? Yeah. What was it 
give us kind of a you know a, a sixty second description of, of what people can expect if they were to eat there, and how much was it? That's another good question. Okay, so uh, Samba Grill is uh, in the Solarium Bistro area. Uh, they you know shut that down and open up the Samba Grill in the evening, so it's a it's a really nice, quiet, intimate uh, location. Uh, you basically uh, sit down and, and the, you know they take your drink orders and uh, then you're free to go to the buffet where they have a salad bar, uh, some appetizer type type dishes, some some salads and stuff, and then they have some meats and cheeses as well. Uh, so you kind of get that to wet your palate, and uh, and then the uh, uh, waiter comes uh, with more food than you'll ever be able to eat. Unfortunately, you know, we were already uh, eating a lot of food on the ship, so they come with uh, nine courses of meat. Uh, wow. They have fi- five courses of beef. Uh, they have uh, linguisa sausage, pork loin, uh, and lamb, uh, rack of lamb. Uh, and then they have the five flavors of beef. They had brisket, top and bottom sirloin. They had a uh, filet and uh, some ribs. Uh, it was outstanding. And, and if you're, my my wife is not a meditarian like I am, uh, so she just tolerated our date night. Um, she liked the the meat, but she probably would have chosen something else. You know, had had she uh, been given a a, a different choice. Um, but I thought it was outstanding. All the meats were delicious. Uh, unfortunately, I couldn't go back for uh, seconds on on anything because we we had so much to eat. Um, and the desserts were excellent too. The service was top notch. My wife had a uh, dessert uh, that had some basically like a peanut brittle on top. And the waiter had come back and asked her how she liked everything. She said she loved it, especially that. So he came back a few minutes later with a plate full of that for her. So wow. that definitely won her over there. Uh, <laughs> in terms in, in terms of the cost, it was thirty dollars a person. Um, so, so that was uh, a pretty reasonable, certainly for uh, that experience, and, and I thought it was excellent. Yeah, I've done a Brazilian steakhouse on land, but that sounds really intriguing. I got to rethink my plans. Oh, Brian, kill me here, uh, and now I'm hungry, which is also you're killing me here. So, <laughs> not surprising. Let's talk about uh, how about your kids, your kids' experience on board, and kind of what they thought. Obviously, you mentioned you mentioned your kids are a little older. How old are we talking about? Right, so um, my kids are eleven and fourteen, uh, and my my uh, kids both have, both have cousins uh, very close in age. So my son had a nine and eleven year old cousin to play with, and my daughter had a, a cousin that's a little, about a year older than she is. So they kind of did their thing, and my son and his cousins did their thing, and I think they thought that was amazing that they basically had free run of the ship. Uh, and they had check-in and out privileges at Adventure Ocean. Uh, so they would spend a lot of time uh, you know, on the sports deck and the pool deck. And then they'd run over to Wipeout Cafe for about their 13th or 14th uh, ice cream. And then they'd go down to Adventure Ocean for a couple hours. And basically the, the rules were that they had to be ready to uh, get dressed for dinner by 5 o'clock or so. Wow. Well, it sounds like they had a so, time then. So I'll tell you, my my uh, we walked on the ship and you know come into the promenade there, and my son says, "This is ten million times better than Disney." And then his cousins, when we saw him after lunch, they're saying, "They're saying this is a million billion times better than Disney." So they they were definitely wowed by the uh, the ship in general. They they had a great time. Wow, that's amazing. That's great to hear. In fact, um, I'm glad to hear that they enjoyed the their experiences on board. And it sounds like. The 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 facilities that that are set up for uh, kids are 
perfect for what they were looking for. So that's that's wonderful. What about the entertainment on board? The entertainment on board in terms of the shows and things like that, I thought was a little bit hit or miss for me. Um, shows like uh, Blue Planet um, that was supposed to be you know a Cirque-type show, our group, uh, we all went, and we kind of thought it was a little bit of a disappointment. There were some some scenes that were spectacular, but all overall I thought, thought it was kind of hit or miss. Um, the Oceanaria I thought was amazing. The high divers are absolutely crazy to do what they do. Um, that I would definitely go back to that. Uh, the headliner we had was Savannah Jack, who uh, is basically a rock and roll band kind of uh, that plays all different genres. And you you can throw out a artist and they will play you a song kind of kind of group. And they were so good that uh, my wife and I turned right around and went back to the second showing that night. Uh, it was outstanding. Um, and we watched. Let's see, we watched one of the ice shows, uh, How to Train Your Dragon. I thought was uh, very uh, very interesting and appealing. Uh, I don't know that if I hadn't seen the movie, if I would have followed along, you know, with the entire storyline uh, because it's only a twenty minute show. Um, it was a little bit tough to follow if you hadn't seen the movie. But I'd, I'd wager that most of the people had seen the movie that were there. Did um, you see Mamma Mia? I did not see Mamma Mia, but all the women in our group did, and they said it was amazing. I, yeah, I I enjoyed it. I, I saw it on on Quantum of the Seas before it came over to Alert, but I enjoyed it. I know it's a, it's a it's a very much a it's a chick flick of Broadway shows, but it's I thought the, I thought it was fun. So for what that's worth, I'm just throwing that out there. So, yeah, so I, I thought yeah, go ahead, uh, go ahead. No, you go ahead, please. Oh, I, I was just going to say that uh, yeah, I thought uh, the other disappointment for me was the sail away party. Uh, it it was you know uh, something I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, go to again. The kids liked it. Uh, with all the DreamWorks characters and stuff, but I felt like I missed uh, all the scenery flying by me from uh, the Fort Lauderdale sail away because we hadn't been to Fort Lauderdale before. So given uh, another cruise, I will do the uh, sightseeing instead of the sail away party next time. Yeah, I could see that. I do a lot of times, I think more often than not, when we go for sail away, we're either out on our balcony or we're out somewhere on the ship enjoying, like you said, the scenery. So I can totally understand where you're coming from on that one. Uh, I'm going to flip the the tables here a little bit because, as you as I mentioned, I'm going on a lure of the seas with the Royal Caribbean Blog Group Cruise in February 2016. In fact, Brian, if you want to come and join us or anybody listening, there's still time. You could still uh, join us on on a lure of the seas. So, if if you're talking to me, uh, Brian, or or someone else on the group cruise, what would be your, are there is there a recommendation or two that you can think off the top of your head like, oh, when you're on a lure of the seas, you gotta do x avoid x x i would say i would say absolutely you have to do x y and z all the above uh we had an amazing time on the flow riders and i was actually surprised at how the reviews that i read kind of say that the people are you know the spectators are there to watch you wipe out and i found that there were people uh there were two gentlemen that were there specifically they said they cruised just for the flow riders um and they had a bunch of uh, people that were pretty good at the flow riders and they knew we were new and they'd give us tips and they were cheering us on and the the spectators were actually cheering us on even though we'd wipe out and stuff they they'd give us tips and stuff like that i was uh i was kind of surprised by that i thought more people would be there just to see us uh wipe out but everybody was very supportive and and definitely uh worth trying out uh we had a great time on the the boogie boards as well and i was amazed at how good the sports activities staff was they were all so friendly and so helpful um 
Um, the when we were riding the boogie boards, they would be in the water with us, giving us tips on how to you know improve our skills to go up to the next level. And the kids really enjoyed that as well. Um, so I, I I would say you you basically have to try and you know try everything. We did the rock climbing and the, and the flow riders, and the only thing we didn't get to from an activity standpoint was the ice skating. And I think maybe that's something to to flag uh, because the times that they had open ice skating was always during our early dining so we we kind of didn't get a chance to do that cool well uh i guess the last question i have for you brian and that's good advice actually i have two questions for you just thought one was we were talking right before the show you had mentioned something about last week's podcast episode which was the the 20 (laughs) tips to help you have a better royal caribbean cruise so you said to me in passing oh that you wish you had listened to that episode before and i said oh all right let's talk about it on the show so why did why did you say that so I, I think one of the uh, tips was about the uh, the next cruise, and um, when I had uh, listened or, or read maybe about uh, you know booking your next cruise on board, um, I think I missed the fact that the I think what you said was that the down payment or part of the down payment will go towards onboard credit um, on on your next cruise. And uh, had I known that, I probably would have done a little bit more research uh, into that and uh, probably booked another cruise because I got home and I'm already thinking, all right, when can I go on Matt's three-day or four-day cruise out of Tampa? Um, And so had I – because I'm a little bit of an OCD planner, it's hard for me to make a decision right right there on the spot. But had I known a little bit more about the perks and the benefits to the next cruise, I think we would already be booked for another cruise. Okay, well, you got you got some homework now to figure out and and make sure you got something you got to get something lined up, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I think awesome. th- this is this is the culmination. I think we booked back in April uh, for this cruise, so I'm getting close to a full year of enjoyment out of one cruise. So I definitely have to I have another one in the pipeline, so I can uh, start that uh, planning phase again. Absolutely, well, and Ryan- I and I would I would say uh, one more thing that you would uh, you had uh, said. Uh, was to try the guacamole at Sabor. And I'm a huge Mexican fan, and I think I make a pretty mean guacamole, but that guacamole was amazing. Wasn't it? Isn't it awesome? And and I'll say that, uh, you know, even at, like, all we did, we got uh, we got hot dogs at the Boardwalk Doghouse with a few of us, and I'm the only guacamole fan, so I said, hey, let's go over and sit out on the patio there, and uh, I ordered the guacamole, and, uh, you know, the pico de gallo came with it, and the chips, and then my wife and I ate that, and a couple of the people had the hot dogs, and, and it was great for, you know, a few dollars, it was five dollars plus tip, and, and uh, you were good to go, but that was great food. Awesome. Well, I'm so glad to hear. Brian, always a pleasure to talk to you, and, and I'm hoping that we'll be able to cruise together sometime and we can uh, share in the experience. Yeah, I would love that. Awesome. Thank you, Brian. Thank you for having me, Matt. Ever since I started Royal Caribbean Blog many years ago, back in 2010, which now that I think about it, it's been a while, you know, I've, I've loved writing, talking, and recording about Royal Caribbean. It's my passion. It's what I love doing. But you know what? Ah. As much as I love writing about it and doing that kind of a sharing that kind of information, I really, really enjoy talking with other people 
about the whole Royal Caribbean experience. And that's what is so fun about these listener emails I get to do is each week here on Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, I read your emails, and it's basically our opportunity to talk Royal Caribbean virtually together. That's the power of this, and quite frankly, I enjoy doing this more than maybe even the topics of these episodes because it's a great way to get some insight, share some information, and also hopefully help some folks have a better Royal Caribbean experience. And of course, if you want your emails read, you can absolutely do that whether you have a question, a comment, a suggestion, maybe you think I'm wrong about something, it wouldn't be the first time I would be wrong about something, you can, of course, email me, matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com, and that way, we get to talk Royal Caribbean blog, virtually at least, together every week. And our first email this week comes to us from our good friend, Anthony, who writes, Hi, Matt. Love the podcast. Keep it up. I cruise Royal Caribbean and Carnival, and one thing that is clear is that most ship cocktail drinks, non-frozen, are of the 90-second pre-mix variety. After a while, I find the premix cocktails very sickly sweet and off the mark from what they are supposed to taste like. Sometimes, I like to have a nice handcrafted cocktail with fresh ingredients that can take anywhere up to five minutes to make. My last cruise was on a carnival ship, and they had a dedicated cocktail bar called the Alchemy Cocktail Lab, which had guys in lab coats making the best handmade cocktails I ever had. No premixers. My next cruise is on Anthem of the Season, December. Is there a handmade cocktail bar on the Quantum Class ships? I asked because another carnival cruise I was on, the flagship Breeze, did not have a cocktail bar. In fact, the church ship had no fresh-made hand cocktails anywhere. Believe me, I asked. I thought it was very poor. Anthony, great question. You know what? I totally get what you're saying here. I agree there is a huge difference between something that's a pre-mix and handmade. And certainly there are quite a number of places on Royal Caribbean ships where they go for the pre-made mixes. It's simpler, it's easier, it's quicker, all that stuff. There are two bars that stick out in my mind. I'm going to answer your question. I'm going to give you then another bar that isn't on Anthem of the Seas, but may help some other folks who are looking for this on other ships. So on Anthem of the Seas, the best place for a handmade cocktail, in my opinion, is 270. There's a great bar in the back. Kind of If you're walking in 270, it's all the way on the right-hand side. They've got a great handmade bar. They definitely take a little bit longer to create these drinks, but wonderful. In fact, if there are any Bloody Mary fans out there, this is the best Bloody Mary I've had on any Royal Caribbean ship, has been at the bar at 270. And it's because they don't use a mix. They make it by hand, and again, it takes a little bit longer, but well worth it. The other bar that comes to mind in terms of if you want a good drink that is not from a mix, and it's not on, on Quantum Class ships, but it's on many other Royal Caribbean ships now, is our bar. Our bar is something you've probably heard me talk a lot about. It's basically a throwback kind of a bar, but what makes it more interesting in the, beyond just the aesthetics of it is that they pride themselves, in fact, on creating some really custom drinks. And, you know, I've drank there many, many, many times. And honestly, I don't recall ever seeing a mixer. I'm not saying they don't have mixes, but they have quite a variety of of different ingredients to, to choose from. And it seems like every drink they've ever created for me has been from scratch. So definitely the R bar is a really good option if you're looking for that kind of a handcrafted drink. The other bar that comes to mind when I'm thinking of drinks made from scratch would be Boleros. And certainly they have a Boleros on Anthem. This is pretty much every Royal Caribbean ship has one. And if you're going for an ingredient or a drink rather that's made at Boleros that Boleros is known for, like a mojito as an example, no mixes here. So that's definitely something also to keep in mind. Really where you find a lot of the a lot of the mixes are going to be on the pool deck, right? Any of those pool bars are going to have the, you know, they're just they're just pouring it out of there. So keep that in mind. Hey, look, when you're on a ship, I mean, I, I don't necessarily care all that much. But in the evening, I agree, Anthony. I do love a really good, well-made drink. So I'm with you on that, Anthony. Good luck, Anthony. And let me know if you find anything else that's really good on Anthem of the Seas. Next up, we have an email from Mark from the UK. Hello, Matt. 
I've only started listening to your podcast and finding you on Twitter. Great work. Me and my wife have been on many royal grooming cruises. Our next is a week in April on the new Ovation of the Seas. Two years ago, we took our twins on Independence of the Seas from Southampton, who were one and one and a half at the time, and they weren't bowled over with what they had to offer for them. Last summer, we went on P&O's Venture. While some things were up to the same standards as Royal Caribbean, I have to say their kids' club was fantastic. From the size of the club to the hours the kids could attend and to the staff, it was a perfect experience. From your recent cruise on Anthem of the Seas, how did the kids' club look and... Also, have you had the opportunity to use Royal Caribbean's Kids Clubs on any other cruises to keep the good work on the podcast? Great question, Mark. And yes, I definitely have used the Kids Club extensively. Adventure Ocean has been something that me and my family absolutely love. Well, my kids love it because they have a lot of fun. I love it because I get a little break from the kids. So, a couple things to keep in mind. With Anthem of the Seas, your Kids Club is probably the best I've ever seen. And that doesn't surprise me. It shouldn't surprise you either. Every new class of ship that Royal Caribbean builds, regardless of ship size... They seem to dedicate more space to the kids' clubs and also make them even more more impressive. So as you go up from, say, the Voyager to Freedom to Oasis to Quantum Class in that order, you're going to find more impressive experiences because, again, Royal Caribbean has an opportunity to kind of revisit what they're putting in there. And typically you get more space with the newer ships and also more new amenities, cooler things on there. All of us have to really impress because, obviously, trends in in kids' clubs and, and education change over the years, right? So on Anthem of the Seas, they have a wonderful kids' club, in fact. Now, Mark, I'm not sure how much how old your kids are now, but when they get to – you mentioned they were one and maybe one and a half when you went on Independence of the Seas. When they're under three years old, it's a much different experience, right? You're wholeheartedly dependent on the nursery, essentially, or in-room babysitting. And when you went on Independence of the Seas, I'm wondering if they actually even had an Independence, a nursery back then. I'm not sure. That was something that Royal Caribbean has been adding to the Freedom Class ships retroactively in the last couple of years. But a lot's changed. But once they hit three and they're old enough for Adventure Ocean, not only, by the way, they have to be three and also fully potty trained. I should mention that. It's not just the age. They have to be able to go to the bathroom by themselves. So once they reach that criteria, it's a whole different ball game. And it's really impressive. And my daughter, who is now five, loves Adventure Ocean. She's been there on many different ships, Freedom of the Seas and Navigator of the Seas. And she's really enjoyed it. And we've enjoyed it as well as parents. I think they do a really, really good job on there. So the key for all these kids clubs is go register your kids on day once. You go to Invasion of the Seas, go to Adventure Ocean. Usually they're going to have open hours at some point in the daytime. You can go there and... Register your children, take a look around, not only just for you and also for them to get acclimated with the whole program. It's a wonderful thing, Mark, and I'll tell you, it's just, it's been really something that I think it's kind of funny. Me and my children love going there be, for different reasons, but it, they do a really good job, and trust me, no one is a bigger fan of Adventure Ocean than me because, again, my daughter loves it. She cries when we pick her up, not when we drop her off, not when she's there, only when we come and get her because she doesn't want to leave no matter what. She could have been there the entire day, in which case there have been situations where we've dropped her off in the morning and picked her up late in the evening, and she never wants to leave. She has such a great time. And also from us, we enjoy it because, again, it gives us a little bit of a break from the children. So I think, Mark, I'm hoping that now that your kids are a little bit older and perhaps they're old enough for Adventure Ocean, they're going to have a great time there. If they're not old enough, the, they have the nursery on board the Quantum Clashers. And the nursery is even better than on any other ships because one thing we noticed about the nursery on Anthem of the Seas, and was true also for Quantum of the Seas, is they have a, in the nursery, they actually have a completely separate room for sleeping. Now, on other ships, they have cribs, but they, they're more of a, the, the rooms are all connected. So, of course, one crying kid in the main room can wake up kids who are sleeping. On the Quantum Class ships, 
the sleeping area where the cribs are is a separate closed off room via door. So that means it's a lot easier for the kids to stay asleep and the rowdy kids to stay rowdy, I guess. <laughs> so Mark, good luck with that. I think you're going to have a great time on there and I'm, I'm hoping your kids are going to have a better time on there. Next, we have an email from Angie who writes, Hi Matt, I have a hypothetical I need your help with. I would like to book something for Spring Break 2017, hopefully, Anthem of the Seas, depending on pricing. We'll be selling on Explorer this season, July 2016. Here's my question. I know best pricing is typically right when a cruise is released. Let's say I had my travel agent book Anthem for April 2017 when it get released, presumably in sometime in early 2016. Right before we sell on Explorer, let's say I reshop and discover with the current sale and onboard booking incentives, I would be better off to book the April 2017 cruise on board. I know in actuality, that may not be the case, but let's say it is. What is the policy of having two reservations at the same time for the same sailing? Is that allowed? Could I just rebook on board? Then once we're home, to have my travel agent cancel the reservation? If not, what is the turnaround time for lack of a better term for the cancel? Is it instantaneous? Should I have them cancel the first reservation the day before or the day we set sail in July 2016 and then rebook it for argument's sake, the same stateroom, because in my made-up scenario, no one else is coming to scoop it up soon after I get back on board for the better price or booking incentives? Or does it make does it need more time to elapse between cancel and new booking? Of course. If the reshot price is more expensive, then it's a moot point, but I was just curious to the logistics. Awesome job, as always, on the podcast and the blog. I've learned so much that will make our first Royal Caribbean cruise on Explorer of the Seas next year that much better. Angie, that's a wonderful question. And you know what? Rebooking is something I think a lot of people struggle with. It's something that is not necessarily the clearest thing. Here's what you should do, Angie, and I understand exactly what you're trying to ask. What you should do is go with your scenario to begin with. When Royal Caribbean opens up the bookings for 2017-2018, which should occur around the time frame of March 2016, based on historical data that we have, I would have your travel agent book it immediately. First day, pick up that cruise, do whatever you need to do. Cool. You're all set. Now, fast forward, you're on Explore the Seas. Ah, life is good, right? You're on, it's July 2016, it's the future, and you're on Explore the Seas, and boy, humanity has come to a great place in July 2016, unless you're listening to this podcast and... 2017, in which case, welcome from the past. <laughs> anyway, you're on the ship and you go to the next cruise office to rebook. So here's what you need to do. Do not touch your reservation you made back in March. You should leave it alone. What you should do is go to the next cruise office, tell them, hey, hi, my name is Angie. Um, I booked a cruise for Anthem of the Season, April 2017, and I wanted to see if there was a better deal on board. So the next cruise officer is going to go through and look at what booking incentives there are. And if there is a better deal, they can just rebook you. That's what essentially what you're doing is what they will do is essentially cancel your reservation and then rebook you. And they should be able to still retain everything that you have there with your travel agent. I don't anticipate there's any problem with that. And there's certainly nothing that wrong with at least looking at what the other deals are with booking on board. But that way, you kind of lock yourself in because by booking right when the reservation first comes out back in, let's say, March 2016, hey, you're getting yourselves arguably the best possible price. But if there's a new price that's out there, and it's a better deal with your onboard booking incentives being on board the ship. You can then just, again, you're you're canceling and then rebooking immediately. And the, that process is something that happens very, very quickly. In fact, anybody who applies a new deal to an existing reservation, that's what you're doing. You're canceling and rebooking. And that usually works out very, very well. So that's the strategy you should go with, Angie. And I hope that makes sense to you. Basically, you make your reservation in March, book it. Like, which is something I always recommend doing as far in advance as you can so that you're definitely on the right track there, Angie. And then when you're on board, just tell them, hey, we already have an existing reservation, but I wanted to see if booking on board and get a better deal and go with it that way. That's definitely the best way to go. It's the simplest way to go. 
and I think it's going to net you the best possible deal out there. But the other thing, Angie, is, of course, make sure you're aware of the exact deal that you have. I mean, they have a lot of access to all the information online, but, you know, if there's any, like your travel agent's giving you anything on top of anything else or whatever the deal is, make sure you're crystal clear in your mind what you are currently getting based on your, you know, initial booking. So that way there's no confusion because once you cancel that first reservation that you made, you lose any benefits you had from that cruise. So let's say in the initial reservation, you were due, I don't know, $200 on board credit and your travel agent was giving 50 bucks on top of it, okay? For whatever reason, right? Whatever, I don't know. But you get to onboard the ship and they're like, hey, we're going to give you, you know, with, with booking on board, you're going to be netting, I don't know, you know, the onboard credit's going to get you $150, but you can save another $100 on the price. You know what I mean? You're only going to get that $150 on board credit. You're losing anything you had beforehand. So make sure you're, you're you're taking into account how much you paid and whatever booking incentives you had from the initial booking, and then looking at the big picture again when you're on board the ship. So hope that makes some sense, Angie. And if it doesn't, well, you can email me back here, or I know Angie, of course. Angie's wonderful. Love Angie. She hangs out all the time on Periscope. If you're saying, Matt, what the heck is Periscope? What are you, a submariner? No, no, no. It's a great free app that is available for iPhone and Android and, and iPad and Android tablets. Basically, what it is, I do daily live broadcasts on there. Talking to Royal Caribbean, Angie's always in there. So if you want to join Angie and me, you can see Angie. She's much more interesting than I am. Follow me on Periscope. I am VRCL blog on Periscope. And that way you can be notified and join us in there. It's a lot of fun. So. One way or another, Angie, we're gonna we're gonna make sure you're you're crystal clear on this. And thank you for the email. Appreciate it. Next up, we have an email from Mark who writes, "Hello, Matt. First, my wife and I really enjoy your podcast. I found it last September. I wish I'd found it a couple of years ago. I've been going back and forth listening to many older podcasts. My wife and I have been on four cruises thus far. The first one was on Carnival several years ago. In the past few years, we've done three Royal Caribbean cruises, and we plan to stick with the Royal Caribbean. Our first Royal Caribbean cruise was on Legend of the Seas on a 15-day Panama Canal cruise from Fort Lauderdale." San Diego in an inside cabin in March of 2014. Our second cruise was on Serenade of the Seas on a seven-day Norwegian Fjord cruise from Copenhagen in an Ocean View stateroom in May of 2015. And our third cruise was on Liberty of the Seas on a five-day cruise to Bermuda from Bayonne. We were in a large Ocean View cabin where my mom joined us. We were thinking of taking a Royal Caribbean cruise in January 2017 on the Oasis of the Seas to St. Martin and then an Alaska cruise in mid-2017. Anyway, all three cruises were great experiences, but it is very interesting to compare the three classes of ship, the departure ports, and the stops along the way. Mark, I couldn't agree more. I was As I was reading your email, boy, you have a large, wide selection, in fact, of different Royal Caribbean ships and experiences from Legends and Serenade, which are on the smaller side, to Liberty, which is a little bit bigger, and now you're going on, obviously, Oasis Release, looking at Oasis of the Sea, which is among the largest out there. And I think you're doing it quite right, Mark. I mean, that's what I love doing is mixing it up a little bit, not just doing only small ships, not just doing only large ships, but mixing it up. That way you get a good sense of what Royal Caribbean offers because they've got, you know, 20, what are we up to, 23 ships in the fleet right now and going up from there. You know, there's a lot to choose from. And the reason if you've got that many ships, don't limit yourself. Try them all out. See what's, what works for you, what you enjoy the most. There have been a lot of people who thought, you know what, I can only do large ships. And then they try like a brilliance of the season, love it, or vice versa. Maybe they, you know, they 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 start out on the on the small ships and then go to the big ships and figure they love the big ships better, or they say, you know what, I'm a small ship kind of guy. Whatever the case may be. The good news though is I think you're doing it right, and I think you've got some really interesting options there. And certainly going on an Oasis class ship to the Caribbean in and, and enjoying that, and then of course an Alaska cruise. 
Man, you're, you're hitting it from all angles, Mark. I love it. So that sounds like you've got some great plans. And of course, Mark, I want to hear about what you end up booking because you've got two great options there. I would love to also know when you book that Alaska cruise, are you going to go for something like a larger ship, like an Explorer of the Seas, or are you going to go for a smaller ship, like maybe a Radiance of the Sea? So some good problems to consider there, Mark. Thanks so much for the email. Next up, we have an email from Garrett who writes, We've booked our next cruise on Navigator of the Seas out of Fort Lauderdale. It's three nights to Coco Cay, then Nassau, and back. We've got a junior balcony suite. I'm starting to plan out what we'll be doing on our shore days. Coco Cay is easy beach, chair, drink, nap. In Nassau, however, I'm not sure what we should do. I've been to the Bahamas before and frankly didn't like it. It felt very touristy and we usually like to try and see some experiences of the native culture whenever we can. Is there anything that's really worth doing in Nassau? Right now, our plan is to hang out until the ship on the ship until it lines lie down, head out and explore, grab lunch, and then come back early and enjoy most of the, the empty ship and our drink package for a few hours before dinner. I know most people recommend day passes to various resorts. If we had our eight-year-old with us, we might do that, but the way I see it is perfectly good resort sitting at the dock that we've already paid for. Give any ideas or recommendations, thanks again for the show and the blog. Garrett, this is a really interesting question, and I think that a lot of people struggle with what to do in NASA. It's kind of interesting because NASA is one of the most commonly visited ports, yet it seems like a lot of people don't know what to do here because NASA is not the most straightforward. Like, there's some islands. Like you go to St. Thomas. Almost everybody's going to say, well, you got to go to Megan's Bay, you go to the beach, something like that. If we're talking about Cozumel, boy, you know, there's shopping, there's eating, there's the beach, there's more eating. You know, there's there's some things that just jump out at you, right? And NASA seems to, I don't know, I don't know why. Quite frankly, we could have a whole hour-long discussion on the virtues of NASA. But you're not the first person, Garrett, to bring up this kind of concern. Here's what I would tell you. And and you know what? I think NASA does offer some interesting things. Certainly, if you're looking for a resort-type experience, the best out there is Atlantis. It is a wonderful resort. It offers a lot. It's going to be the resort to go to. The only con I can say about it is that it's kind of expensive. It's, you know, it's pricier, certainly. It's not going to be a cheap excursion, but... You know, if you want the best kind of resort experience on NASA, that's the way to go. Now, if you're looking for a little more culture, and I, I totally get that, Garrett, you know, in terms of I enjoy kind of exploring these islands a little bit more than just a, a seaside beach somewhere, there are actually some interesting cultural experiences on board, and I think your initial plan makes kind of sense to me. When you go out there, there are some things that you can do. There's, the great thing about NASA is it's a fairly easy city to walk around, especially when you're just going around the main area there. There are some really good cultural experiences, namely... You've got the Queen Staircase. There is a fourth there of name I've totally forgot off the top of my head, but, you know, a quick Google search, I'm sure, will help you there. You've also got, uh, there's a, some, a couple of statues. Uh, you have museums there. There is enough to probably take up, I would say, easily two to three hours. Very easy to walk around, in fact, the Queen Staircase. If you basically, you're going to do a circle, and if you're looking at a map, if you're looking down at the map, you're basically going to go counterclockwise, right? So you go down the main street, you basically take a right, and you come up around, and you basically go counterclockwise, making a circle until you come back around to the to the main street area and back to the ship. And I think there are some things that if you've never done that before, certainly worth doing. And I think, Gary, it sounds like that you're kind of of the you're kind of like me. You enjoy checking out these historical aspects of the island, and that's an easy one to do. And I don't think you need to do anything other than just you know bring a make sure you just do a quick Google Map search to understand where you're walking. But it's very simple to do, and and it's there's a lot of signs as well. And that's what I would do. I would just go do a couple of those cultural experiences, grab lunch at a local restaurant, and then head back on board the ship. I think that's perfectly a good way of doing it. If you're looking for the resort thing, then I would skip all that and go straight to the resort because obviously you want to get your money's worth. But I think there is, uh, you know, enough to do there in terms of your afternoon. And that way you get back on board the ship 
and enjoy your beloved drink package. Well, that's going to do it for this week's show. I got to take a second once again just to say thank you because I know how valuable your time is. And the fact that so many of you spend some time each week listening to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast means so much to me. I also want to say quick thanks to some of the new members of the Royal Caribbean Blog Insiders, including Sarah Connors, Sandy Wosley, Christy, Richard Rather, and Mark Johnson. Thank you guys so very much for helping support the show. If you'd like to find out how you can be a part of the Insiders as well, support Royal Caribbean Blog, and get some really cool rewards like special merchandise, first lucky new projects, a private Facebook group, and a whole lot more, visit royalcaribbeanblog.com slash support. And of course, if you want to send me your emails, we can read it right here on Royal Caribbean Blog. I would love that as well. Email me, Matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.